behind the back, wrap around, and climbing the ladder is Dante Hall. Sexton. Step back. Good! Patty at three. Oh, he's a flamethrower! What a shot! 6-3. It's good! It's good! It's good! Colin Sexton made the floater! They'll review it! But oh mercy! Colin Sexton may have saved the season! Tigers set to trigger it in. Smart gets it into Watford. Threw it away! He'll run it down in the backcourt. He will take it to the top of the arc. Watford three at the buzzer blocked by Herb. The putback, no! The buzzer sounds! And Bama hangs on! Oh my goodness! Welcome in everyone to a new, another episode of the Double Dribble Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Harper, head basketball analyst for Todd Illustrated, a part of the Rivals Network. Uh, please like, subscribe, um, follow this podcast on whatever platform you listen to. You can follow me on Twitter at HarperNation24 um, and get a subscription to Todd Illustrated. I do a, I do a lot of write-ups on all the Alabama basketball games. I give a lot of insider information recruiting-wise for, for Alabama basketball. If you're a big Alabama basketball fan, I'd highly recommend it. It's a great site that gets great coverage uh, from our staff as well as myself. So if you're looking for a place to get all the Alabama basketball news that you want, please subscribe to Tide Illustrated, part of the Rivals Network. So Alabama had another game this past Friday night against the Indiana State Sycamores, and Alabama won 102-80. And the first time that Alabama scored back-to-back 100-point games to start out the season since 1964-1965 season, which is a long time ago, a very long time ago. So uh, we're going to just kind of break down this Alabama basketball game and kind of hit the highs, the lows, and look forward to the next game against South Alabama on Tuesday. Um, You know, it's going to be a great week of basketball again facing – South Alabama on Tuesday and then Mercer on Friday before Alabama heads to Destin Thanksgiving weekend uh, to face Ohio State and um, team to be named later um, part of the Emerald Coast Classic. So breaking down this Alabama basketball game, uh, 102 to 80 win over Indiana State. It was a, a slow start to say the least. Indiana State came out on fire from three. Isaiah Swope had a great start to this game, um, 5'11 guard transfer from Indiana or Southern Indiana. And he, he ended up with 17 points on 6 of 13 shooting, but it seemed like every shot he threw up was just, I mean, it, it wasn't even hitting rim. It was just going in, going straight in. Um, he started off, I believe, hit two of the first three threes, and then Ryan Conwell, who had an, a great game as well, um, scored 16 points, hit another three. They started out 9 nothing, and I thought Alabama and Nate Oates might take a timeout, but he ended up just letting his kid, his players play. He knows his players better than anybody, and they ended up figuring it out, obviously, going on a 15-0 run themselves uh, to force Indiana State to call a timeout. So it ended up being 15-7 to in the first you know four, four to five minutes, which there was a lot of threes being rained down um, in this game early on. And ended up ended up being about 49 total uh, combined between the two teams, um, but there was over 23 of them made. So um, it, it was a great shooting display from both teams. 
Um, we'll kind of touch on Alabama's defense here in a second, but I kind of want to touch on their offense first because this this may be Alabama's um, best shooting or Nate Oates' best shooting team under um, in his tenure at Alabama. And I, I haven't seen an Alabama team score 100 back-to-back. Um, I can't remember if out they did it. Um, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before last. Seems like when they beat LSU, scored 100, they scored 100 on Bandy or someone like that um, in the next game as well. Um, but should have done research before to kind of bring that up. It just came to my mind just, just now. But 102 points after scoring, I believe, 105 the, the day before is just incredible to start out the year. Um, where, where do I begin? Let's just kind of touch on on the top scoring efforts for Alabama. Aaron Estrada was incredible again, uh, scoring 27 points. He didn't score the ball great last game. I believe he had like about 17 points, but – Aaron Estrada went nuclear. It seemed like everything he threw up from three was going in. Um, he went six of eight from three, nine of 16 overall. 27 points, five rebounds, five assists, two steals. I mean, he was filling the stat sheet on Friday night. Um, he's probably the fastest guy that I've seen dribble a basketball for Alabama since Kyra Lewis, and that's that's some high praise because Kyra Lewis is the fastest guy I've ever seen since De'Aaron Fox in college of – you know, straight line with the basketball. And he is going to be – I can't, still can't believe that he wasn't, you know, first, second, or third team preseason All-SEC. But I did tweet out after I saw that that they're going to find out. They're going to find out that they missed out. Like, they underestimated Aaron Estrada because he is just an incredible talent. You could see it at Hofstra, two-time CAA Player of the Year, averaging over 20 points a game each year. And he, he's starting off strong. For Alabama as well, he if he keeps this up, which it's a crazy pace, but if he keeps this up or even close to it, he's definitely going to be in the running for SEC Player of the Year. Um, you got Aaron Estrada that went off for 27. Mark Sears had a very quiet 24 points. He went 9 of 10 from the free throw line, and you kind of get surprised when he misses at the free throw line. He just looks so comfortable there. Um, but he went six of ten shooting three of three or four from three. But he he's just the silent assassin for this Alabama team. You you look at Aaron Estrada, Grant Nelson, and just get blown away by how they play and how efficient they are. And then Mark Sears, you know, you look at the bot score after the game, and he's, you know, six of eleven, 20 points or 18 points, and went really solid from the three and the free throw line as well as running the offense. You know, I don't think the offense is running through him like I thought it might be, but he is a really good facilitator getting into the lane and kicking out, making the extra pass, whatever needs needs to be done, he's doing it. And that, that's kind of the, the leader that Alabama needed because they only had four players really return to this roster after last season. So you, you have some familiarity with the, the – the scheme that Nate Oates runs, the system. So you need that leadership, and Mark Sears is definitely um, providing that. And Grant Nelson, you know, he was the star of game one, dominated, and he came out, and while it was a kind of a slow start for him, the second half was incredible. Finished 7 of 10 from overall, 6 of 6 from the free throw line. He's got a really nice touch from the line. I'm very, very surprised by that. 
Um, being a big guy, it's, it's really rare to see someone 6'11 or taller just be pretty much automatic from the free throw line. But he's, he's as close to that as can be. But he scored 20 points, had eight rebounds, um, two assists, two blocks, uh, which we'll get to in a second when we cover the defense, which he was really impressive the second half defensively. Overall, Alabama came off to a really slow start, and it was a nip-and-tuck game for the most of the first half and half of the second half, to be honest, before Alabama kind of blew it up. Um, you know, Alabama just looked kind of lethargic, really lazy at times. Um, you know, looking at kind of the game cast on ESPN, you know, they got, got to about an eight-point lead, 11-point lead. They really couldn't stretch it past 11 or 12 until, you know, what, five minutes – seven to five minutes left in the game. Like it, when it seemed like Alabama was going to pull away, Indiana State would come right back and hit a couple tough threes. Now, Indiana State did get in really bad foul trouble. Ryan Conwell uh, got four fouls, I believe, early, early in the second half, probably a minute or two in, and he had to go to the bench, which Alabama made a, a little run after that, and they brought him right back in, and he, he started hitting threes again. So Indiana State's a really tough team. I liked what I saw from them. They could really shoot the ball. Um, they they were what I was afraid of um, would happen for this game for Alabama, and that's to really test Alabama's backcourt defense because they had some bigger guards outside of Isaiah Swope, but they had fast guards that could really shoot. They move really well. They move without the ball really well, and that they Alabama got beat on a few backdoor cuts. Um, early on in the game and even late as well. They just, just got lazy, and that that's unacceptable. And I know Nate Oates says, thinks it's probably unacceptable as well. You Playing college basketball, you can't be ball watching and getting beat back door. That's that's elementary stuff. you got to keep an eye on, eye on the ball and eye on, the, on your man. you know, you got to keep your head on a swivel, as they always say. So a lot to, a lot to um, clean up on the defensive end for Alabama. But give credit to Indiana State. You know, they shot close to 51% overall, 38% from the three-point line. Um, you know, they didn't have Robbie Avila, who's their big guy, seven foot, 240 pounds. And he can kind of stretch the floor as well. He did not play this game, which he could have caused a really big matchup problem. Um, one guy that I'm very disappointed in, in on Alabama's team so far is Nick Pringle. Nick Pringle, I thought, would have developed over the summer. I have heard that he has, and he's gotten a lot better. I don't know if it's just kind of getting the flow of things, getting the, you know, rotations kind of knocking people off, uh, you know, off of their, uh, their, out of their comfort zone. or I, I, I don't know. He, he has looked bad on the defensive end especially. Um, but offensively, outside of a, a pick and roll, going to the being a rim runner or sitting in the dunker spot, I thought he would be more, you know, more versatile on the offensive end, but he, he's just not. He he moves on every screen, which that's not getting called early, and that'll get that'll get, you know, that'll get tightened up on the officiating side come conference play. It typically always does. Muhammad Wagi does it as well, so they're going to have to really watch that on tape because that's going to be coming soon where they're going to get called for moving screen, but. It's just like on pick and rolls, he's lost. He doesn't know whether to to drop or to hedge or to, you know, I don't know if that's a communication issue, but it seems to always be him that gets lost defensively. 
And offensively, he outside of Duncan, he, he doesn't have any offensive game. And I was hoping that would kind of progress. And he, he's going to be in trouble foul-wise when it comes to conference play against more experienced, more skilled bigs. Because the first two teams really didn't have that. And he's going to get exposed, especially when they play Zach Eady um, in Purdue and, you know, getting getting into conference play and facing the bigger, more more finesse type guys. He's going to be in trouble. But kind of just going going down the box score for for Alabama, you had Nick Pringles only had two points, um, only played 12 minutes. Um, he didn't even get in foul trouble. So that, that just kind of shows what um, Nate Oates is thinking about playing Nick Pringle right now. Uh, Jaron Stevenson had another nice game, three of five shooting, ten points, one of two from three, and three of three from the line, which is, which is really impressive for him. And I thought Latrell Whites will play really well. He forced a couple shots. You know, he, he did play 21 minutes, which I think is about where he's going to play rest of season. I mean, he's got to be that first guard off the bench, and he's going to play probably 20 to 25 minutes a game. And they need him. They need his shooting ability when either Aaron Estrada or Mark Sears come off or go off to the bench because you don't want Mark Sears and Estrada playing 38 minutes a game or 37 minutes. you got to have guys that you're comfortable with taking the ball. And I think Latrell Ritzel can be that guy. Um, he doesn't turn, a, turn the ball over much. He seems to be under control when he's, you know, either running the offense or bringing the ball up the floor. But he's on this team for his shooting ability. And he he's shown it early, um, the first game and second game. He can hit the outside shots. He can hit tough shots. Um, he's got to get better at finishing around the rim. But I think he's by the time conference play comes and the rotations are settled, he's going to just be a pure spot-up shooter. And really nobody else on the bench stood out. I thought Muhammad Wagi had a nice stretch in the second half that really stretched the lead for Alabama to about 17 when he had a nice block on a three attempt. He had a great great up and under move, which was probably a walk if you remember the play. But, hey, if they don't call it, they don't call it. So he ended up scoring six points overall. He had five boards, two blocks, and only 10 minutes of play. And I think he's just getting up to speed um, coming off his injury. He didn't play any in the preseason. He he hardly practiced at all as well, so I'm sure his his stamina is not the best either. But liked what I saw in the back half. The, you know, the first game and probably the first four or five minutes he played the second game, he looked really rough, but he looked as probably more a rust than anything. But with Jaron Stevenson, you know, you need him and Muhammad Wigi to be, you know, contributors in the front court because it's going to be Grant Nelson carrying the bulk of the load in the front court. So you're going to have to have other guys step up. And so far, Jaron Stevenson has been that guy, and maybe um, Wigi could be that guy to kind of take over for Pringle as well. Um, and who knows, Wigi might end up carving out a starter's role if he ends up playing – consistently like he did this past game for more minutes because his per 40 is going to be crazy. 24 points, 23 pounds, and eight blocks. Obviously not you know, feasible, but you get my point on if he played a normal amount of allotted minutes, he could be very valuable to this team. <clears throat> now defensively, 
This is the part that I'm sure all Alabama fans are concerned about. I'm with you. I am too. And I don't know how it gets fixed. I really don't. I mean, it's – I don't think it's a schematic issue. Now, teams are hitting really tough shots on Alabama, which you just kind of – that's not sustainable every game. But they are getting beat backdoor. They are giving up pretty open threes. They're not guarding their yard, um, as I've been – you know, as the old saying goes. They're just getting beat. beat off the dribble and causing penetration in the lane. And that's where you start getting disadvantages numbers-wise. And team Moorhead State and Indiana State are taking advantage. So, yeah, Conwell, Larry, Kent, Swope. I mean, all the guards score 14 or more. So, I mean, that's just the backcourt defense is really bad. And, you know, they didn't start a single forward, I don't believe, Indiana State. They just started really big guards, really fast guys, and Alabama couldn't keep up. And that's it's going to be a big issue moving forward. Big issue. So, um, it's – like I said, I don't think it's a schematic issue. I don't think it's anything they're doing, you know, running zone or – um, they're still playing drop coverage, which is fine. I mean, they're hitting some mid-range twos. So it's it's going to be just individual effort. I don't see anybody on this team that's a good defender. I, I think they put forth good individual effort most of the time. Now you saw what happens when they don't. They get down 9 to nothing to Indiana State. Now if you're playing someone like Kentucky or um, – Texas A&M in conference, Arkansas, it's going to be worse than nine to nothing. It's not going to be as easy to claw your way back either. Now this team's good, good offensively, um, probably elite, but you can't be going down eight, nine, nothing or giving up that many eight, nine, nothing runs throughout the game. Cause there's going to be times where this offense is going to struggle. And you saw it a little bit um, mid first half of where it just kind of got, you know, I wouldn't say lazy offensively, just slight luster is a good word for it. Um, not moving away from the ball, just forcing it one way or the other. So it, it's it's not going to be all roses and rainbows on offense. So the defense is going to have to step up, and I, I think it will. It takes a little bit of adjustment period for these new players to get used to NATO's system, especially in at game speed. Um, so – Look for some adjustments come come Tuesday against South Alabama, and hopefully um, some some of the some of the individual effort will will change. Like I don't mean to point people out, but like Grant Nelson was not playing good defense at all, and they were scoring at the rim really well. And he's got he has to be one of the rim protectors, and he gets blocked. He's gotten a couple blocks in each of the first two games. And he looks good when he tries. But I think it's just a matter of effort and motor in some of these guys of, you know, I'm go- I'm scoring on the other end. I'll just take a playoff or two on the defensive end. And then that's why you can't ever pull away from teams 
like Indiana State this game. They couldn't ever pull away because they couldn't get a stop. They were scoring every single play or every single possession. But it doesn't help when the other team is scoring as well. So, you know, Alabama ended up playing um, South Alabama on Tuesday. South Alabama is not a good team. Um, They lost to Mobile their first game. Ended up beating Buffalo on the road, which is – I haven't followed Buffalo much since Nate Oates left, but they're not very good either. But they should throttle South Alabama. Could see a a third straight 100-point game. I'm not worried about the offense. I just want to see the defense perform. That's the main thing. Um, Judah Brown's their best player, averages about 14 points a game. Isaiah Gator as well. Um, you know, G- Judah Brown can offer some some mismatches because he's kind of a tweener wing guy. So you'll probably see someone like Rylan Griffin on him. But he's about a 6'6", 230-pound guy. He's, he's a junior, and he can really stretch the floor as well. Shoots about 40% from three. So, look for Alabama to get better defensively just because this is not a deep team at all. Probably go about five, six deep. So, Alabama will probably wear them down overall. Um, But should be an easy couple of games leading up to – leading up going to Destin for the Emerald Coast Classic. So, you'll have – South Alabama on Tuesday, Mercer on Friday, and then you'll end up having Ohio State. I believe that's Thanksgiving Day. Is Thanksgiving on the 24th? No, 23rd. So it's the day after Thanksgiving. So you're going to have those two easy games. Ohio State's not, not a great team. Not awful, I would say. But should be a very, very winnable game. And then you'll have Clemson and Arkansas State before – the triple gauntlet of Purdue and Canada at Creighton and then Arizona. So you'd like to start out, you know, seven, eight, no, before you hit that gauntlet and try to get one game out of those three. That's kind of what I'm hoping for is if Alabama gets out of those three games with one win, that's a win. That's a win for me. Because if you get out of that with at least one win, you're going to be Eastern Kentucky at Liberty will be very interesting. I believe that's in Huntsville, but um, you, you could start, what, 10-2? and two? I mean, that that's a great non-conference stretch. That's a great non-conference stretch, especially with how tough it's, that three-game stretch is going to be. And then you go into conference with some very winnable games to start out at Vandy, South Carolina, at Mississippi State, which Mississippi State looks really – Really good right now, and then home against Missouri. Um, you you could have a really good stretch of games here through the non-conference, and then the first four SEC games. Now you have to take care of business, and I think offense will will show up every single night. It's just like I said, the defense that's going to have to show up for Alabama to really hit their ceiling. Um, just kind of transitioning away from the team to some recruiting news. Alabama's um, Alabama target Travis Perry, who's a point guard out of Kentucky, who's the all-time leading high school scorer in the state of Kentucky, um, committed to Kentucky. 
today. It was a very big surprise. I don't think anybody predicted that. Um, I, I personally thought he was going to Cincinnati. That's everything I've heard for the past you know, few weeks, especially since after he visited Alabama. I thought he was going to Kentucky. I mean, uh, to Cincinnati. But he ended up committing to Kentucky. And very interesting fit for him. So, really the only people Alabama's recruiting now is Darion Reed and Billy Richmond, which I've stated that Alabama's in third for Billy right now. But he will be waiting until the late sign period. And so is Darion Reed. I've read and heard that he could commit in the next couple weeks, but he'll still have to sign in the late period unless he signs by, I believe, the 18th is the last day of late early signing period. So unless he decides before then, there's really no reason for him to commit right now. So that's kind of all the recruiting news right now. Um, there's no 2025 news, um, just those two guys that Alabama's recruiting for 2024. And be on the lookout for another podcast after the Mercer game or on, after the South Alabama game on Tuesday. It might go up on Wednesday, and I'll kind of give my instant reaction on that game as well. I'll kind of start doing that throughout the, the non-conference schedule um, just to kind of put out a pop. Not for the tournament. I won't do it after every game of like the tournament play or anything like that. But kind of twice a week, um, probably for the rest of the season, non-conference and the conference season. Um, just to kind of put out good content. It's been it's been a while since I've done two a week, um, all throughout the season. But I finally have the time to do it. Um, so be looking for another podcast on Wednesday. Um, I'll be giving my instant reaction to the South Alabama game. Hopefully a big win. Um, maybe they score a hundred points again. But thank you for listening to another episode of the Double Dribble Podcast. Like I mentioned before, uh, my name is Jordan Harper. I'm the head basketball analyst of Tide Illustrated of the Rivals Network. You can find me at at HarperNation24 on on Twitter or X, formerly known as Twitter. And please like and subscribe to this podcast. I really appreciate y'all listening to it. Um, I've been doing it for going on four to five years now. So I appreciate all those that have listened from the start um, and those that are listening right now. So until next time, it's been another episode of the Double Dribble Podcast. Adios.